There we go. So it is now being recorded. Uh, I'm about to hand over to Andy Zelo. Uh, Andy is um, Andy lives in East London. Uh, been married to an amazing woman, Sandra, for 28 years uh, now, and they they share something incredibly unique. Uh, they got married, and Andy will correct me if I'm wrong, but they got married on the 18th of September, which also happens to be a joint birthday. So I think they were destined to be together. Is that, that yes. right, Andy? Yeah, I got, that, is, got that right. You got the dates right, but destiny, I'm not sure, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and so very uh, special relationship. They've got two uh, grown-up children, Andy's got a background in uh, science. Uh, he's also got a PhD in neutron scattering, which I have no clue what that means, other than it just means Andy's super intelligent and he knows his stuff. Mm. Uh, but he's not going to chat about neutron scattering today. <laughs> Otherwise, that might blow our, blow our minds. Uh, but Andy runs two businesses. He runs a property business and a gas installation business and has um, just a lot of experience of growing finances and, and using it in, in a healthy, wise way. And so he will be sharing that with us now. Uh, other than that, I'll just say not only is um, Andy a great guy, I also consider him a great friend and a big brother. So really delighted to have Andy speak today. And over to you, Andy. Thank you very much. I hope you can all hear me very well and uh, welcome to the conference. Um, yes, uh, thank you, Obi, for clarifying the session. Refresh your finances. Uh, just to, um, I hope you can see my screen okay. I'm assuming you can. Uh, so as I plow through the presentation, I will just uh, be using my screen uh, on my PowerPoint as a, a reference. Um, <clears throat> there is... Um, there is no doubt that uh, personal finances uh, and uh, whether they're good or bad does affect uh, many aspects of our lives and uh, our marriages and uh, relationships. Um, so finances, although in some ways as Christians or as people who follow God, there's a temptation to maybe minimize interest and concern in personal finances, they do have an impact. Uh, and likewise, you know, the condition of our spiritual health influences how we manage our personal finances. So um, just your view and perspective of God and your understanding and faith and convictions uh, will influence how you organize your, your personal finances. And as I stated at the bottom there, you know, poor financial health can result in poor spiritual health or general health uh, and vice versa. So there is, I think... Um, as, as, as a Christian and as, a, uh, I think, someone who is running uh, my own business and, and doing things in a certain way, I, I personally have convictions that, uh, that it's important to keep an eye on our finances and to have a good understanding. Um, I will read um, a, uh, a, a story. This is Luke chapter 16, uh, and it's the parable of the shrewd or the dishonest manager. Uh, so what we're going to do is I'm just going to read through that story. Uh, one, we're very familiar with it and draw out some principles that I think will be helpful uh, to consider as we uh, think about our finances. 
I don't have much of a picture of what the needs are in the group. In other words, uh, I may be wrong. Maybe in this group, everyone is financially very sound and, and very wealthy and doesn't need any help. On the other hand, it may be a group that is um, uh, struggling to, to make ends meet. Maybe it's a mixture, a com combination. So I'm gonna, it's probably going to be a scattergun approach. And if something resonates, then it resonates. But uh, we'll use Luke 16 as, as a kind of sounding board. And I'll read that. I'm going to read from a different screen. It says, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? This is, um, I would say, a parable that's misunderstood. Uh, and um, I mean, some people get a bit uh, concerned that that that. There's this kind of, Jesus is kind of commending um, some kind of dishonest uh, manager. Um, I mean, just to clarify some basics on parables, all right? So uh, Jesus is addressing this parable to uh, his disciples. The Pharisees are listening, so they're picking up on this, but primarily to his uh, disciples. A parable is not a theological masterclass. It's not meant to be nitpicked and taken apart. I think uh, largely the parables were used to... Um, uh, to, to a, a way of Jesus finding out if you really wanted to learn something. So, so if you listen to a parable and don't learn anything, that's a kind of a, an alarm bell. It says, what have I missed? Because usually the parable is meant to, uh, to, to say something to you that can, can resonate. Um, it's important to understand cultural context as well. Some of these things uh, are not necessarily as we see them, uh, just like the tax collectors in those days. These kind of guys, they, they, they didn't always uh, match the, so, so they could have easily gone to the, the debts and, and, and asked them for more than what they'd or the, they'd give the master. And there was that room in between, like the tax collector, where they would probably keep some for, them, for, them, for themselves. Uh, the manager was told he was losing his job. He was being fired. Um, he was concerned about his future. So he kind of sits down and thinks, wow, you know, uh, I'm going to lose my job. Um, how am I going to survive? Let me think about my future. So he's securing, he's thinking about his future. That's what the guy 
is actually doing. God is not calling us to be dishonest. So be very clear, God is not um, saying it is good to be dishonest. No, it's not what he's saying. It was the shrewdness of the manager that he kind of, um, uh, kind of uh, picked out. And he addressed the mindset of scale as well, because he also said those who have little, uh, uh, or those who are interested, uh, there's just this sense of, uh, like some people think I, I can give more financially if I, if I, if I earned a lot of money. Uh, but uh, the parable kind of hints or points to the fact that well, it doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. It's addressing just a mindset. The call for us is to be trustworthy. Um, and God uses this financial situation as well. If you use that as a kind of benchmark for if you are trustworthy, because if you can be trustworthy with that, then you can be trustworthy with, with true riches. And of course, there's a call to, um, uh, for money not to be our, our master but for God to be our master. Uh, so that's a, a rough kind of description of, of the parable itself. Um, in terms of the, um, I've split it into, into three sections to talk about. The first one is honesty and ownership. Um, and this just deals with this idea that this manager was, was caught out. He, he was, um, uh, the, 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 um, the kind of, uh, uh, the business owner said, I, I've heard, you kind of there's some things going around that are just not right. Uh, come and give an account. And um, I've caught this honesty and ownership because um, you know just addressing the issue of accountability. Um, <clears throat> I think for for some of us we kind of think that we can get through life uh, without having to give an account on certain things. Um, the tr truth is, we'll always have to give an account in, in some way or no, uh, uh, another. In this particular case, that the, the boss said, come and give an account. Um, there's this sense of his deeds were exposed. Um, his dealings were exposed. Um, uh, everyone could see now what was going on. Uh, there's this whole idea of you reap what you sow as well. There's uh, a sense that um, in terms of our, our, our finances, I think... Uh, um, there's this sense that if you deal with things a certain way, good or bad, you will, you're going to reap something from that. So if you if you deal with it in a bad way, you're going to reap something uh, that will come from that. If you do in a good way, then you will reap something good. But this already of reap what you sow also applies to our finances. Um, I'd like to think that we wouldn't wait uh, for irresponsibility to catch up with you. Uh, so um, uh, this guy was caught out. Um, he didn't come up and offer his his uh, his failings. They were caught out. And I'm sure that's worse than if you come up yourself and say, hey, listen, this is what I've done or this is what I'm doing. Um, <clears throat> there's also this idea of learning to seek help rather than be caught out. I would like to think that uh, we would see it um, wiser to, to recognize that we need help and then go and look for it rather than waiting for the uh, the big explosion that happens when everything goes wrong. Um, don't wait for the bang. There's also this idea of being comfortable talking about your, your finances. Um, sometimes I know as soon as the word finances are mentioned, many a grown man may break out in a cold sweat or, or hide behind the settee, not wanting to address the realities of, of their financial uh, situation. Because sometimes it can imply um uh, that you don't know what you're doing or, or you failed and there could be some embarrassment or some kind of fear of really talking about finances 
And again, be open to help um, and learn to take ownership uh, where necessary. I think it's important that we uh, as adults learn to own or to recognize where we have uh, either made mistakes or we have done things that haven't been particularly uh, helpful. So the real um, call in this first part is for all of us to really learn how to be honest and own um, uh, issues relating to our finances. I've written down in the next slide just some, some of the impacts of poor financial health that you may recognize. Um, uh, things like stress, um, uh, ill health, certainly um, many of us who maybe have challenged, have had challenges with, with our finances will, will face a lot of stress and, and this could lead even further to Ill, Ill health. One thing that is quite challenging is, and I put the second, unable to meet important needs within the fa family. I know that um, often uh, in my family, my extended family, there, there's a call for help uh, to support something financially. And if you have poor financial health, you won't be able to participate in that uh, and you won't be able to help meet those kind of needs. Uh, poor financial health can lead to arguments um, uh, with, within, within marriages, uh, within uh, all kinds of relationships. And the next one, there's damaged relationships. I know in cases where I've maybe lent money to someone or someone's lent money to me and it hasn't been paid back. And, uh, and then there's some kind of... Uh, uh, difficulty in relationship because you feel that uh, things aren't resolved and money is at stake and do you forget this you know or do you try and work it out so uh, some of the financial issues can lead to, uh, to to damage relationships a breakdown in trust um, certainly if one person feels that money is being misused or that, that, that some people are not being clear about how they're using funds and or how they're getting funds uh, that this sense of trust can or a, or a breakdown in trust can come in. Certainly a key, one of the key in, uh, impacts of poor financial health is, um, is a lack of joy. Um, I don't know how you can be joyful if, if you're struggling financially. A sense of discouragement, overcome with fear and worry, uncertainty for the future. Uh, these things can have an impact on our lives. Over, overworking, some people think, well, I'll work more, I'll work longer hours, and that will help me to come out of a poor financial situation and then that kind of overworking perpetuates and then it becomes an issue. Uh, deceit, uh, that's a huge one, uh, trying to cover your tracks uh, if the finances are poor. Uh, you can avoid certain people, maybe you owe them <laughs> the money or they owe you money, um, but certainly again that's linked to damaged relationships. Another thing's like uh, put that missing church fellowship and other important events. So there's all these uh, possible impacts of, of poor financial health. So my my and this this guy he was he was he was exposed. We can offer we can we can talk about these kind of things, and I think it's healthy to talk about these kind of things, and they will help us just develop a healthy uh, view of our personal finances. Um, I've put down some honesty and ownership statements that will help uh, things that maybe we can recognize and, and say things like I am in debt. And it's a source of many arguments at home. Uh, my financial indiscipline is hurting others, that kind of uh, ownership. I am deceitful when I talk about my finances. Again, a sense that um, uh, I don't bring out the whole picture. I'm addicted to gambling. Uh, I know there's some issues where uh, these that might, might occur and it's, it's a difficult thing to talk about, but just being able to talk about it is helpful. 
my spending is out of control. Um, that's important to recognize and to be able to say, I worry about my financial situation. Uh, worry can really, again, take away the joy, but to be able to acknowledge that I, I do worry, uh, it's on my mind, it's on my heart. Uh, my work schedule is unhealthy and it's impacting my spiritual life. So just the link between working, um, working uh, in situations where you're working for the benefit of your finances, but then the impact is being felt elsewhere. I put this next one down. My, I could be earning more if I better use the talents God has given me. So there's an acknowledgement that maybe you aren't, or I aren't, um, I'm not, I'm not uh, fulfilling or not able to um, uh, uh, work to my potential. Uh, taking jobs that are maybe lower than my talent set or my gift set. And then there are consequences that come, come with that. Another one about honesty and ownership. I'm not declaring all I earn and I'm cheating the tax office. As someone who's self-employed, this is one that dogs my mind a lot. I think, oh my goodness, let me just try and best put down as much as I, I, I can to avoid uh, uh, this whole idea of cheat cheating the tax office. Another one, an honesty statement, I earn well, but I'm reluctant to give back to God. Um, in other words, I'm earning well, but I'm reluctant to give. I want to hold on to what I have. Amen. It's good to be honest. And some people may believe they have a healthy relationship with money. Great. And I think you may have a statement that fits you, but I think it's helpful to acknowledge ownership, honesty, uh, which, with whatever financial situation you're in. And that helps us move on to further steps. You know, it's refreshing when you decide to talk openly about your money finances. It's also refreshing when you can recognize the impact on how you feel. So I, I've just stated this, it's refreshing. Openness is always refreshing. Stepping into the light is always refreshing. Recognizing the impact of money and finances on, our, on our, how we feel is refreshing. Uh, for a lot of men, I know for me, I find it hard to express my feelings towards these things sometimes, but it's good to be able to express some of those, those things. Uh, the next slide here is on um, uh, clear understanding and good judgment. The, um, <clears throat> uh, the definition of shrewd I've put up there, having a clear understanding and a good judgment of a situation resulting in an advantage. So the dishonest manager was commended, he was shrewd. Uh, in other words, he, he can't, kind of the world stopped for a second and said, Whoa. okay, so what's happening? I'm losing my job. Uh, there'll be no income. Um, okay, I, I can't dig. I'm not sure why he said that. Maybe he didn't have the physical strength or maybe he felt it was beneath him to dig. And he said, oh, okay, so um, I can't dig. I can't beg. I can't go around asking for money. Well, if it's an, I'm living in an honor society. That will affect my honor. Uh, but, he, but one thing we do know is, is that he, he stops and starts to try and get some understanding. And I think that's a very helpful and important place for many of us is to stop and try and get a good understanding of our finances and learn how to make good judgments. Um, in verse 11, it says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will you entrust you with true riches? So there's, there's, it's very clear from, from the Bible that, that being trustworthy in handling our worldly wealth or money is clearly something that God looks at. So it's important that we learn that um, handling our finances is, is super, super important. And again, there's a call for us to be shrewd. Um, 
All right, so what I thought I'd do is just list some um, uh, some ways I think, or what I've learned from in terms of um, generating a clear understanding and good judgment. Um, I strongly believe in education, uh, education, 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 uh, seeing a need for and getting financial education. Um, as Obi kind of alluded to, I, although I, I went to university and studied many things, about, uh, about 18 years ago, I, I, I did have a career change. And a lot of that career change was linked to education. So I started to read, a, first of all, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Kiyosaki. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki that just helped me to understand ta taxation. Uh, but that started off for me a kind of uh, just opened up a Pandora's box of, wow, there's a lot of things I don't really know about money. Uh, things that they don't teach you at school or college. They don't, they don't teach you about money. They don't teach you about the, uh, the feudal system, the taxation system, the, the way that governments have set it up. They don't teach you about how to run a business and and they don't teach you these things. So, so uh, uh, as I said, about 18 years ago, I started to look into that a bit more. So, of course, the temptation is to attend free um, events because obviously you, you can learn. Usually free events lead to uh, the, the kind of host uh, organizing events that you have to pay for. But I, I must admit, I've spent quite a bit of money attending events that have, that have been my personal training, continual professional development, they call it maybe, but, but spending money to learn something from, from experts. Uh, so I have gladly, well, I'm not saying gladly, but I've, I've grudgingly offered my money uh, to people and they have taught me things um, that have helped me uh, in my own business and handling my own finances. So I would say, um, uh, just see there's a great, there's a lot of stuff you can learn and being wanting to and willing to learn about your financial situation and how to handle your finances bet better is a good thing. Um, <clears throat> whether done inside the church or outside of the church to really learn. You know, I put down here also this idea of seeing the need to learn from others. Um, I never forget a chap once taught me, he said, uh, because I think I was applying for a, um, a mortgage and I, I was I was I was turned down, so I took that as a kind of well I can't get a mortgage. And he said, "Well, what you've got to realize is that the chap who did that says that he cannot get you a mortgage. You'll find someone who says they will be able to get you a mortgage." And that's what happened. I found someone who kind of was able to understand my finances and say, "Well, you can get a mortgage." but some of the conditions will have to change. Because your risk factor has gone up, these are some of the changes. And I gladly took the new mortgage, but if I'd have listened to the first chap, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So I just learned from an early stage that being around people who think a certain way can really help me think a certain way and just find people who do have the answers. So if somebody says no, that's not a universal no, that is a their no. I can ask the same question to someone else. So I've learned over the years to really uh, ask questions, find out who, who, well, who, well, who can help me <clears throat> do this or help me achieve that. I think learning to seek out specialists as well is also in, in, important. Uh, my broker is, is an expert. She, she does things. She's a, she's a, so I just give her the information and tell her what, what I want. And she's an expert. I can't do what she does. She understands things more than I do. Um, but she's an expert, she's a specialist. So I speak to her about particular things. 
And then I put down here, learning to be shrewd in relation to our bills and overheads. I do think there are many tools these days, um, not just search engine tools, but I think there are many ways to uh, to organize our personal finances or to uh, pay less for things that we don't need to be paying for or remove insur insurances and fees and things that we're doing <clears throat> that are unnecessary. And maybe we're spending in ways that are not, not the best. So I think there's, there's value in really learning to be shrewd in our relation with our bills. Um, the next one is having friendships with people who do well fi financially. I, I, I learn a lot from people who are just my friends. Uh, so I, I hang around them. Uh, the Bible talks about, you know, the importance of the company with whom you uh, surround yourself with. So being around people who have certain views and ideas and ways, I think is great. And if you can find a group of people who can be that way for you, fantastic. They just think differently. And I, I love it. Um, uh, learning to read your financial landscape, um, you know, your salary and how much you earn, how much you could, could earn. I think it's important to, as I mentioned earlier, to, to I think to be sober about um, your abilities, your skills. Um, does your salary reflect your, your gift set? Um, and if it doesn't, that's something to think about and find a way to make your uh, salary um, and your gift set kind of line up together. So I do think, I think we need to be living up to our gift set uh, and skill, skill set. And if that it means earning a lot more, then that's, to that's totally fine, rather than underperforming or feeling under, underused. Uh, so yes, do your earnings match your talents or gifts? Um, I think it's also important to recognize your spending habits and limits um, and at the next, probably linked to budgeting. Uh, some people don't like the idea of budgeting. I, for the past, I think since I got married, I have a spreadsheet that logs all my spending. So I have about 30 year history of, of my spending. I don't use it much now, but I used it early on uh, because uh, when I was borrowing money and doing things and I was just trying to understand my spending and some months I think, wow, I'm spending more than I'm earning. And then that's an alarm bell uh, if you're spending more than you're, you're earning. So, so, but budgeting is important and also keeping a log of maybe your actual spending is uh, particularly helpful. Um, if you need to get help with budgeting, that's great. I, I write my own spreadsheets because I want them to be done my way. I want, to, I want the numbers that I want. So I'm fortunate enough to be able to write my own uh, uh, code into Excel and get the information I actually need. Um, and I use Excel a lot to make decisions because that gives me numbers and I'm a numbers person and that's how I make a lot of my decisions. Uh, another thing I put on here is considering and planning for your future financial needs. Um, I do think um, as a young Christian, I didn't really think much about what would happen when I get to 65 or beyond. I thought it was too far away, didn't warrant my thinking about. Um, why should I think that way? And I think a lot of the ministry staff as well were, were taught, I wasn't on, on staff, but there was this sense that it's not important. Um, just plan for your spiritual future, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I do think it is important because at some point your, your young kids will go to university and then you have to make some big financial decisions. Um, preparing for a rainy day. Uh, life may be good now, but at some point, um, things may take a turn. It could be your health, 
Uh, it just could be the economy. It could be, as we've learned through the pandemic, maybe your choice of career could be Im impacted. Um, but I think the parable does teach us to consider and secure our future. So I do, I, I do believe it teaches us to consider preparing for things that are ahead. And as I said, that could be anything from retirement, uh, paying for university uh, kids' school fees. And these need some consideration. Um, I'm not saying you need to have all the answers, all the numbers need to stack up. I think the charge is to just to understand that this, this is how life is going to unfold. And of course, the being shrewd part is to be able to have a good understanding of this and then a good judgment. So to be able to say, well, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do about my, um, uh, this, this potential rainy day? What am I gonna do if I can't work? What if I'm gonna do if uh, my kids go to university and they require, uh, I need 7,000 pounds a year for accommodation? Or if, if you've got twins, uh, like I know a couple in the East, I think they had a, a 19 or 20,000 pound a year bill increase just for accommodation at university. Um, and also supporting family. Um, there could be issues and needs, as I mentioned earlier, within the family. You want to be able to be a support financially to, to those who have needs around you. Uh, one thing I put on this career change, living in step with your talents. Could you retrain or use your gifts or skill sets more adequately? Yeah, I do, I do think um, I do think it's important that we think about these things. Um, uh, about 20 years ago, I was beginning to get unhappy with my job. I was working in Cambridge. I was traveling a lot around Europe and around the world as part of my, my job. And, um, but it wasn't doing for me what I thought it would, would do. And I wasn't fulfilled. Um, so about 18 years ago, I, I, um, I started to train as a plumber. So as one of the brothers in the East told me very clearly, he said, Andy, what happened from PhD to plumber? You thought, well, from up there to down there. And I thought, well, maybe that's the way you, 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 you see it. But I retrained as a plumber. I set up a business. Then I retrained as a gas engineer. Uh, but at the same time, I, I was buying houses. So I was um, investing in property, investing in the plumbing and gas in, in industry. Uh, and so the two were going hand in hand and we'd buy a place, do it up. And I was doing plumbing and gas for myself, for other people as well. So over the last 18 years, I've been doing that. And I found it something that I really enjoy doing. Um, I'm earning better than I was before. I have more freedom than I had before. Um, and I'm living a better life than I was before. I'm a lot more fulfilled. And I do think career change is something to consider. It's not for everyone. But I do think it's something that if, it, if, it's, uh, if it's something you want to consider, it's an important thing to do. So that's uh, something there. So I put at the end of this session, it's refreshing. When you can learn and improve the way you handle your finances. So I think learning and improving, I, I think it can bring refreshing. If, if you can realize your, some of your bills can be halved, I feel refreshed when that happens to me. Uh, uh, when I can learn something new, I feel refreshed if you can help me with my finances. All right, the next or final section session is on using your money as God intended. Um, the whole parable that we just read earlier, um, I believe has one purpose. And the purpose is preparing and securing your spiritual future. 
um, the shrewdness that, that the shrewdness that um, uh, God was or Jesus was calling us to was related to you know just really learning. I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with well, you must be familiar with scammers. I don't approve of scamming, but one thing I do notice from them is that they're incredibly clever. They put a lot of energy and thought into what they're going to do. And I think that's what God is saying in a sense in this problem is that these, some of these people who use worldly wealth, they use it incredibly, they think carefully, they spend a lot of time to get it right. And I think what Jesus is saying, use that energy for spiritual things. Invest and do have that mindset of just, just working things out in your spiritual life to secure your future. Do that. And he says here, verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Um, there is a sense here that, um, you know, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. And we'll talk about that a bit further down. Verse 13, it talks about no one can serve two masters, and I think uh, can serve God and can serve money. Although uh, we're talking about finances here, this, I just want to make it very clear that um, this, this distinction between serving two masters needs to be very clear for us. Um, and I've put, put down kind of a list here. Of, you might call it a health test to see if money is your master, because you cannot serve both God and money. Um, so I put a, a list here. I'll see if I can just get it on my other screen. Yeah, so there's, um, I think there's a very interesting ways. These are some ways I put that. I'm not sure I'm gonna go through each and every, and every, and every one, uh, but it is aimed at looking at how we view our finances uh, in terms of, uh, our money. Um, let me just get it up here as well. Hold on a sec. Yes, so um, I thought I'd try and help us all kind of do a kind of health, health check in terms of uh, how we view money. Um, so the first one is a health test. Is, it, is the pursuit of money adversely affecting your, your your health basically so this is a test of a question you can ask yourself in terms of whether money is your master is it affecting my, my health uh, because that is not um, in any way a godly thing are you working uh, too much uh, are you putting too much effort into this and is it having an adverse effect so that's one test you can do another one is um is um the pursuit of money adversely affecting my relationships with my family, with my children, with my husband, my wife. Um, is, is, it, is it having a damaging effect on those relationships? Uh, the materialism test, uh, do you have too many things? A lack of contentment. So there's this sense of just uh, wanting material possessions. Um, there's no doubt we need material possessions, but I think just the craving and the the thought that they will bring you contentment. 
Um, uh, so there's a lack of contentment. I always need, I need something else and I need money to get that something else and that will make me happy. Uh, the generosity test, are you giving a portion of your income away? Um, you know, once somebody quoted, said, don't tell me where your priorities are, show me where, you're, where you spend your money and I'll tell you where your priorities are. So there's this sense of don't, don't say God is your priority, show me your bank account. I will see where you spend your money. I will show me where you invest, where you want things to be. Um, so you can say as much as you want what your priorities, but your bank balance will probably help say what your bank balance is, uh, what, what, what your priorities are. There's a resentment test. So let's say you do give money away or you do give, but in your heart you feel, you don't feel, um, you're not giving with a, a, a joyful heart. I feel, I feel this a lot. Uh, I think, wow. Uh, because it, it, um, there's a sense of resentment. You're not giving freely. So you are giving. You may think, you may pat yourself on the back. I am giving. Well done. But there's a sense of, I didn't really want to give. I'm only giving because I'm supposed to give. So I commend you for giving. But really, um, the next stage is to really learn to do without resentment. There's a moral test. Um, do you or have you done things that are morally questionable and or taken shortcuts in order to obtain money? So this is a test for you where you can ask yourself questions about how you handle your finances. Uh, you know, what you do when you have been to the restaurant and they've miscalculated your bill and they're charging you less than what you know it was worth. Do you, do you flag that up and say, excuse me, your, your bill says 20 pounds. In fact, it should be 45 pounds. Or do you walk away thinking God has blessed you with a lower bill? <laughs> which, don't know which way you see it, but this moral test is a kind of, so, kind of a test of soberness, uh, of being sober uh, in terms of how you do things, your moral standards in, in decision-making, um, where your money goes to, whether you lie or are deceitful just to save on money or whatever. Uh, but that's a big one for you to think about. The get rich quick test, um, you fall for get rich quick schemes. That's a, a common, um, I think many years ago, I used to get involved in this a lot. I, I, I thought you could do a few simple things and suddenly become rich. And there's a sense of, <clears throat> I think the sense is I want to become rich. And that can, again, show whether money is your master. Sustainability test. You spend more money than you earn. Um, it's so tempting these days to spend. And uh, the question is, you need to have a clear picture of what you spend and what you earn to be able to understand that very well. But are you just someone who, who spends and then thinks that the credit card or <clears throat> things will work out in future? Well, I'm going to get an inheritance or it'll be fine in the end. Or do you live sustainably? Um, the fulfillment test, in other words, um, is your career only supported by your desire to earn a certain amount of money? So it's money driven rather than, you know, just thinking more broadly. In other words, I don't enjoy my job, but it pays well. Um, I won't say there's anything wrong with that, but if, you're, if money is your primary motivator, it's something to think, think about. The jealousy test, are you looking around at what everyone else has and wishing you had it too? 
Um, keeping up with the Joneses is the, the colloquial word for that. So just having an eye what other people have and thinking, oh, I wish I had that. Uh, and, and then that again is a, is a good way, or one way to test your finances, <clears throat> whether you're putting your money ahead of, ahead of God. Um, all right, I put down some here some thoughts in terms of um, uh, using uh, money the way that God intended. Um, these are by no means com complete, but there are some things I put down. The first one is pray to have the same mindset as God regarding your finances. I think prayer, prayer for me helps me to, to think about things during the day. So, so if, I, if I pray about something in the morning, I tend to be thinking about that through the day. Um, be it, uh, if I'm praying to be kind, then throughout the day I'll be thinking, am I being kind? If I pray to be um, humble, I ask myself, am I, being, am I being humble? So prayer for me, and the Bible says, you know, we need to pray to have the, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. We can pray to have the same mindset as God. So, you know, God, help me to have your mind towards the finances or the money that you have given me. It's a bold prayer because it means you have to follow it, follow it through. Uh, another one is be Bible literate, obedient regarding money and godliness. So um, James 1.22, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Um, you know, it's when the Bible talks about money and our finances. Uh, do you know what the do you know what God's expectation is? Um, you know, do you uh, apply that? Uh, prioritize your relationship with God above money. That sounds like some kind of vague, nebulous thing, but I do think uh, I think those who do prioritize the relationship with God above money, uh, I think in many ways you can see the fruits in their lives. Remember the parable of the rich fool. Uh, and as we just read, even just now, it says money will be gone one day. Um, there's this sense that um, um, in the parable, he, he told the guy to, to or it tells us to win friends, um, win friends so that they will welcome us to, to, in, into heaven because one day money will be gone. And the parable of the rich fool uh, in Luke 12 describes um, just this lack of clarity on that. So, so the chap wanted to build bigger barns and provide for himself and he didn't factor in the fact that it could be taken away immediately. And that's what happened. So I think we've got to remember the power of the rich fool. Um, in Matthew 6, 19, it talks about storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, again, that's something to pray and consider in how we use our finances. Um, is, is what I'm doing um, more on a spiritual level or is it just trying to meet my own needs? Um, learn the secret of contentment. I put there Philippians 4, 12 to 13. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it talks about um, whether well-fed or hungry. There's this sense from Paul that, you know what, I've learned, I've learned something. I've, I've, I've learned the secret of contentment. So if I'm wealthy or if I'm rich, I'm content. If I'm poor, I'm equally content. Um, it's not measured by uh, the size of my bank balance. Um, and that secret is an incredible one that I think is extremely valuable. Uh, the passage talked about using money to win friends. Um, my understanding of that uh, verse where it talks about uh, using worldly wealth to win friends, so they'll welcome you to your heavenly dwellings. 
Um, I think it's saying with the money we have, be be kind and generous, give, um, give, give to others. Um, as you try and help other people go to heaven. Uh, I can't explain it more than that, uh, but it's certainly something that with our finances in our hands is a question we have to ask ourselves. Am I using this to win friends? That's a good, good question to ask. Uh, I put on there, be proactive, plan, budget for how you will use your money to help others to get to heaven. So again, it's something you can have a conversation with. Uh, and by the way, as I'm sharing these things, I'm learning, I'm learning as well. But you can have a conversation with people around you about your, using your money um, uh, in a proactive way, in other words, to, uh, to, to, to plan and to budget and to consider how you can give financially to help others get to heaven. Uh, be generous with what you have. You know, God loves a cheerful giver, uh, but it's better to give than to receive. I think that's another healthy way of using our money as God intended. Uh, one thing that's helpful, uh, I've learned a lot from is anonymous giving. I know when my father died about um, 16 years ago now, one of the brothers uh, uh, just put an envelope in my hand with some cash. And um, did I need the cash? Uh, maybe. I'm not particularly sure now. But one thing it did do for me, it taught me a lesson. Uh, to give anonymously. So it's something my wife and I um, have, have, have done and we'll do more of it. Just recognize a need and give anonymously through another through a third party or in a blank envelope, leave, put it in their pocket uh, and, and, and so on when they're not watching. Uh, so those are some ways of using uh, money in that way. Um, it is refreshing when you have the courage to um, embrace God's wisdom in regards to your finances. I think it's incredibly re refreshing when, um, when we um, look to learn God's desire for how we use our, our money. The mistake we make sometimes is we think, I want to do it my way. I want to live and use my money my way. Uh, and the God's ways are better and we know better than ours. So I would say it's incredibly refreshing when we decide or we choose or have the courage to do things the way that God intended. Um, I'm going to end there. Uh, just to summarize what we spoke about, though, was honesty and ownership. Uh, again, the call to um, uh, just to be honest and own your financial situation. Uh, the idea of being shrewd or clear understanding and good judgment. Uh, the call to... Um, I think really spend some time thinking and working things out and investing in how you can use your money uh, wisely. And of course, the whole point of the parable was um, uh, using your money as God intended. So as Christians, our goal really is to, to, to really live that way. I want my money or the money that God has given me to be used in a way that he'll be pleased with. So that's an encouragement for all of us to use money as God intended. Uh, that's it. I believe the end of the presentation. Um, I'll now hand back to Obi.